0: Good morning, good afternoon and good evening from wherever and whenever you're listening to. This is a Peripatia Theatre podcast, Flipping the Script, with today's special guest. Um, Dengar. Aaron, ah, wonderful to have you here today. How are you? Um, it is my pleasure
1: to be here. I am very well, somewhat tired, and fine overall. How are
0: you? I'm very well, actually. Um, had sort of a busy morning, but uh, yeah, settling settling nice now. So, Aaron, ah, tell us about your job and your role within the industry. So,
1: I work as a sound designer for Peripetel Theatre, and it's been challenging because I never really did sound design per se. I did music production before. I did compose some things and I know how to play the piano, but but that's it really. And it's somewhat different from, from sound design. You, you kind of have similar techniques but you have to look at your production from a different perspective and that is something I found actually very interesting because I'm interested in what the boundaries of music are what is music to start with and how other kinds of audio experiences relate to music or is, is it even meaningful to, to make a difference and I think doing sound design for a theatre is something that helps that exploration
0: it's interesting because it's not like you've changed your career massively it's always been about music So where did that first memory of music come from? What was your first memory of music or song?
1: I definitely know my first favourite song was Heya by Outkast, officially. But first experience of music, okay, I am pretty sure I recall my mother singing this song just before bedtime, which really stuck with me. So that could be a first musical experience. Did you grow up in a sort of a music-related household? Yes, I did in some ways and in some ways not, None of my close relatives play any instrument or no how to read music or well they can sing but so so can anyone but they they all enjoy listening to music and especially my mother she listened to a lot of good music which stuck with me over the years uh some of them i i had to grow older to appreciate but yeah i still still look back on what she was listening to and try to explore it again but i also went to some sort of a music school so i learned to play the piano from the age of uh, eight i think and then later went to play the organ and the harpsichord as well none of that really well let, let's say i'm not a proficient player according to the level of training i received i should yeah. be much better but uh i know how to read music,
0: which is always a skill set in itself what is it about music what draws you to music i think it is a very emotional
1: expression of of art uh, you don't you cannot really interpret it let's say as you can interpret a poem mm. or a novel or even even many pictures you can interpret i think music is more elemental, and it it cuts straight to that emotional message i i feel that this is the form of art that moves me the most in very different ways i'm not saying that other arts cannot do that uh sometimes even more effectively but but speaking of the majority of works i think music has that
0: overall appeal or, or power so you, you mentioned briefly there about learning to play the piano at sort of a, a, an early age i was wondering if you could give us sort of a rough guidance towards your journey with music yeah so i went to school my mother decided
1: that i should learn an instrument piano was the something that can be enjoyed for others even if you don't play it too well like i had friends who learned to play the violin or the double bass and they when you're a beginner it sounds really terrible whereas the piano even even if you don't play too well, sounds bearable at least. And also I I think it's a very nice instrument in terms of learning music theory, because it's very visual, all the notes, at least in the Western musical system, are laid out to you. So you don't really need to get that that kind of intricate system of how these work. Uh, You don't need to get into that until much later, which might be a drawback, but for a beginner, I think it makes things simpler. I had a couple of teachers, both of them were very patient with me, uh, very encouraging and very helpful. And then I think at the age of 14, I joined a band. We played music, uh, sort of, well, rock, let's say, or maybe alternative rock is a better expression, but um, genres are a bit misleading. And during that time, I got interested in music production, as in not recording actual instruments, but doing things on a computer in the box, which gives a lot of opportunity to experiment, but it was a bit overwhelming as well. Like the the new devices and techniques, I I was just turning knobs basically, not really knowing what they do, but it was a useful experience. And then, yeah, I guess I just continued to do that with breaks or even not little breaks and try not to forget how to play instruments either, get a bit more knowledge about how actually sound
0: works, how synthesizers work, how music theory works. The name that you release your music under, I was wondering if you could give us a story about how you got to that name.
1: I don't know how to describe that story. It is a story. So the name is Gaspar Moji, which comes from my own cat that is called Moji. And in Hungary, Moji is kind of a nickname for sultanas and one weekend like three four years ago i was looking after her cat and i started to call the cat mojigaji which would translate to Gaspar Sultanas, but I, it felt like it could be a legit name in Hungarian, and I thought, okay, yeah, this could be a legit name, and then I thought, okay, well, this is a pretty good pseudo name or or pen name, but um, I don't write, so it was, yeah, more like a, an artistic alter ego, but I wanted to make it a bit more edgy, let's say, so I didn't stick with the Hungarian version, but made it, I tried to transcribe it to French, basically.
0: Don't know how well it worked, but this is where Gaspar Mursi came Do you think there is a difference between yourself as the individual and sort of your alter ego?
1: Uh, Not that big a difference, but I I believe it's a good device to kind of alienate yourself from your work. I Mm. tend to do things very personally and therefore I'm kind of sensitive to even how I evaluate my work afterwards. So putting this alter ego between myself and my work. Some of lessons that affect not completely but it, it's a useful thing
0: it's interesting because we'll dive into sort of the the music that you've put out you've had sort of a, a very busy year considering the year that everyone sort of had with covid so in the past like yeah you've already released four songs is it yes
1: so um, oh yeah that's actually surprising
0: i didn't yeah <laughs> yeah i uh, didn't realize let's start with the beginning then so i love soul wax. where did that come from a huge influence to me and uh an
1: all-time favorite is a belgian band called soul wax. they they went through many genres many setups the core is a couple of brothers from ghent and De- devale i don't know how to pronounce their name unfortunately i don't speak I'm not sure if they speak... Part of the population speaks French, but they also speak Wallon, I want to say. Um, Anyway, whatever they speak there, I don't speak. So I'm not sure how I pronounce their name properly. But... uh, the thing is that they they were very influential to me, I think, to a lot of other people as well. You can actually catch some of their mixes and even talks on BBC Radio 6. And they have a, I mean, again, they, they went through many different genres, but they have the definite sense or, or kind of unique feel to their music, uh, whichever phase they are in. And I was just kind of meddling on one of my keyboards and sequence hit my ears like like, okay, yeah, this is good. Actually, be something that they did. I just went on from that idea, added a few more layers, and decided to make it into a song because it had that flow sensation to it yeah. that this just works. There is a some amount of frustration, but not enough to put you off, and you can see that it develops and it leads somewhere. And it was just a good exercise or, or fun. It's very different between British music and European music. Well, no, I'd say, especially now they they really there there is a this web of influence globally so just recently i discovered a band from the philippines called i dress they really sound like joy division so and it's the opposite end of the globe or or as opposite as you yeah. can get so i don't think there is and also i think each and every country has now musicians in all sorts of genres so yeah. i don't think you really can get a feel that this band is definitely from the mediterranean yeah unless they play traditional music but even then yeah, they still some sort of influence towards it yeah
0: so that side of soul wax and then we've got I, th- I think if i had to choose sort of a personal favorite out of the, the the songs that you've done i think it is nylon dreams what's nylon dreams about where Where did the inspiration for that start
1: from? joy division was kind of a speak of the devil because it came from joy division whom yeah about well, the personal side of the thing is that I really didn't sing before and then for some occasions of karaoke I finally did sing and I found that even though I didn't really know their music at the time but the range of you know, Curtis from Joy Division felt very comfortable and so that kind of got me interested in what well, singing as well but in Joy Division 2 and I decided to listen to their records watch the movie called Control by Anton Cor- Corbin I think that's his name I think at dutch movie maker he did he did a lot of music videos and photos for depeche mode and various other artists and he directed this movie which was very intense uh very sad of course but also really really good one about uh joy division but the main focus was the drama of ian curtis and his suicide and i really like that and i was just in that kind of mood and that's what eventually led to this song yeah it it, it sounds i think it sounds more personal than it actually is which Returning to your earlier question about having an alter ego, how that works, I think that that was an input as well, like projecting the experience of others. Yeah. onto this other entity that's not me and working through that lens kind of contributed to the song
0: there is that sort of the the ability to have that sort of i'm an individually in one sense and then the alter ego when on, on you're on the metaphorical stage if you will um i think that's interesting that you then say that the music in that doesn't have the same attachment towards you you're, you're able to say this is just my music And then just as a sidebar question, again, that sort of dreams, nylon dreams, I think it was kind of... released the same time as dreams was and dreams is a production that we sort of worked upon how was that for you that first sort of experience of working in sort of a theatrical production
1: it was intense in the way that nylon dreams is what four or five minutes uh dreams is 45 minutes uh, or even more kind of finding a structure that can fill that period with sound without writing an opera or something similar was somewhat challenging but i was very working with Ernesto and I think he helped a lot because he is much more on top of production than I am. We kind of found a way where I had my input of ideas. He had his input of ideas and I think it was his implementation of those initial ideas. Just get it into a form where we could both work on it. And yes, that, that somehow pretty smoothly, let's say, changed into an elongated sound piece. Also, like, it was great, like a great... Help or some some sort of base that it was based on Derbyshire's work. So yeah. when we needed inspiration, we could just look at what she did and rely on that instead of
0: creating something genuinely new and groundbreaking. Yeah, and I think having that sort of a basis of Dealey Darbyshire's work was sort of a, a planting seed that we used for the production. So I think everyone sort of drew inspiration from that original work that we had. Um, I know sort of Bernadette and Anna, the writers on the project, they definitely sort of drew that inspiration from it and myself as the director of the project i think going back over that original recording of what we had was hugely instrumental in actually saying to the actors you after, oh, we'll take this to a neutral place the really good thing about Dreams is something that I think Ernesto mentioned was that the sound was another person within the space rather than sort of that extra layer that you add on towards the end. How did you find working with sort of non-singers um, having people speak lines and um, in comparison to the other work that you've done?
1: yeah compared to lyrics and scripts if we can differentiate these two things uh i think lyrics involves the voice much more as an instrument by script it's kind of uh some sort of structure with meaning in it i'm not saying that lyrics don't have meaning but their primary function is to have a melody While script's finally primary function is to have the meaning in a way it made it easier we had to mimic the meaning It sound but that's also a bit harder because sound well again if if you look at it from the music perspective should be like a melody but in this case it was more an expression of the content but since sounds again it you cannot really translate it that this sound means this or this rhythm means this. You had to had to take the meaning of the words, make it into an abstract entity and try to mimic that entity with sound. So that that would
0: be the main difference in a nutshell. Uh, it's almost like you're saying that the song is always sort of supported with the lyrics, but when it comes to script, the words are the most important and then music follows.
1: Yes. Or or in my my opinion, that's yeah. that's the music I like. I know maybe Bob Dylan would disagree, yeah. but we've not got Bob
0: Dylan on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting, because it goes back into theatre, because I know we've had this conversation before, but you're not theatrical-based in any sense. You've not sort of done the, the creative art. But it's interesting that, because in, in the theatre sense, the word, we're always taught that the words are the god. The words are always so important. So it's interesting that, from your perspective, as so, sort of a sound designer, that you still relate that the words are the, the most important. Yeah,
1: yeah, that I think that all feeds into the what we talked about earlier, the how you can stretch the boundaries or, or push the boundaries, or even there are any boundaries at all, or it's just kind of the convention how to interpret these different things but when you look at it it's really nothing
0: let's jump back into the music then so I think the next two songs that we're going to talk about are from this year which is Disco Drugs and Diplomacy and Baby I Don't
1: yeah Disco Drugs and Diplomacy is I think there is no real story behind that I just again was meddling on the piano found this melody that I liked tried to build some stuff around it there is a story that I was struggling with how to implement it. And there were a little different approaches, some better, some worse. Um, I finally settled with the disco kind of implementation. And yeah, the lyrics are absolutely nonsensical. An inspiration might have been an artist called Ariel Pink or John Mouse even and yeah that's that's that song there is a genre called future funk which I think is terrible but it's consistent enough to have to have an objective terrible quality to it but from the outside perspective you can see it having a bit of a charm or or that specific aesthetic that makes it Something different than just terrible music. And the idea behind Future Funk is that you take existing music mostly from the 80s, pop genre, and you slow it down or speed it up, pitch it up or pitch it down, put some very aggressive and overly compressed drums under it and you you have a song. Yeah, again, I I found it appealing in a weird way, but again, if if you listen to it, it's it's not good. But I decided that I, I will produce at least one future funk song. I was looking for records in a shop in Greenwich where you can get seven inch lps for 50p each which is yeah which is dirt cheap and some of them are really good Uh, i don't think they check what records they have because some of them are truly terrible and never heard of but you can find i don't know mad bianco depeche mode spandeo ballet stuff like that uh, for 50p anyway uh, i found one record by an artist called sinita which was the basis for baby i don't i just yeah i ripped her music off sped it up pitched it down put some drums under it and that is
0: maybe i don't
1: not too proud of it but i made a future funk
0: it's interesting it's interesting that you say that because most artists would probably say i'm not i'm not really too keen on this sort of song that i've done i'm just gonna scrap it but it's interesting that you you chose to still put it out there as sort of a record (laughs) yeah that there was
1: again i i had this uh intention to produce at least one future funk song and it seemed like an idea one because many times the samples for future funk are actually well-known songs yeah. and they get taken down because the copyright algorithms just pick it up very easily for this song, I don't think it's up anywhere. I, I might be along with a few other people who have the original records, the only who can listen to the original, yeah. one, which is uh, some sort of a privilege, and uh, I exploited that. Who would be your dream collaborator? I mean, I have a few. Solvex like would be one, for example, but just to be a bit more fancy I want to say Brian Eno not only because he's a very sympathetic man Um, I like to listen to his interviews or watch his talks to students or other sort of audiences but he is known for how inspiring he is and often musicians who find themselves in the middle of their careers feeling a bit blocked not being able to do anything new turn to him and he seems like the person who who you would turn to in that situation I think I think he sees music again returning to that pushing the boundaries not not something like that is that sacred on its own or something that even exists let's say and for that reason I think he's very flexible with how he deals with the implementation of music I know he does a lot of well basically he writes a script an algorithm that randomizes how the input is then returned so you have a piece of music going in the algorithm decides which parts to keep which parts to drop which ones to take to a different level or make it sound different and returns it and often he would just leave that algorithm running for hours and then he would hear like oh okay this is actually really nice let's keep this part and at that point you you really question like who is the artist or who, who wrote this song is it him is it the algorithm is it even meaningful to talk about it and and I think that is also another thinking questions that authorship in arts is not very meaningful because you always have a million different influences no matter what kind of art you do and you would get inspiration not strictly from art but just the world around you yeah it's impossible to trace those back
0: so probably every piece of artifact is created by millions of people yeah and I think that's interesting that you mentioned that because art is always in the public atmosphere it's always in the public domain if you go to watch a theatre show you watch with sort of friends and family if you go to watch a cinema it's with friends and family so it's always that sort of word of mouth what everyone normally says is about Mona lisa that we think it's this great massive painting and it's all very wonderful and everything but then when you actually go over and it's just like on this very tiny canvas and it's a tiny woman that's been sort of mass spread by by people sort of talking about it so it's interesting that you mentioned that that's similar towards music as well
1: yeah uh, absolutely and also what what kind of acts get popular is well i come to the conclusion that it really is just random chance which has been reinforced by other other people in the industry i think the main thing is that you enjoy what you do and then if it gets picked up it gets picked up but that's not going to be your primary concern
0: i I do have a person that's in the 30s and they're sort of musician and they've got amazing vocals they've got amazing talent and it's it's amazing and in my personal opinion she's better than beyonce people don't hate me for that but she's genuinely because she writes all the wrong song and she produces it all and everything so it's interesting, again, it's hot luck. It just it depends on where you are at the time, who you know, and the sound that you make. What is the one project or production that changed your practice?
1: That's another project with a pre called Mom, Can You Hear Me? And so the plays are about this refugee who is travelling in the back of a refrigerated truck and her journey in this truck and it follows her through her agony and how she says goodbye to her mother something that that was very useful for me working on that project is the to see how important it is to to plan what you want to do to have if not a set in stone but a solid idea of what devices you will use and how you will use them and what is your aim with those devices The script itself was really powerful. So doing sound for it was very hard. You didn't want to draw away attention from the script itself and still give just some underlying atmosphere. The idea was to have a minimal input of external sounds, but really focus on how you can play around and treat the the main voices of the actors. And yes, that was something I never really done before and something I had to be mentally aware of what what I want to do why am I? Going to do that and
0: how I'm going to do that. And it's interesting that you mentioned this piece because Bernadette said in sort of her um, episode of the podcast but that's a really instrumental moment within her career as well. And I think it is for me as well because it's almost giving that sense of we're working with audio, but we want the audience to be there. We want them to uh, imagine. And the only reason why we work it with audio is because of how COVID has played a massive impact in the industry. If it wasn't for COVID, we probably wouldn't have been so attached to the project we wouldn't have done it at least two times and we're workshopping it to do it a third time hopefully that third time we can take it to the theatre I think it's a really important piece powerful piece as well and it's interesting that again like you said with dreams the importance of text and how sound supports the text is really interesting
1: yeah, yeah. If, if if we can highlight the difference, I think with dreams it was you could go much wider. Let's say with the audio because dreams is about free association and scenes you probably would never experience. I'm not yeah. saying that you would experience dying in a truck, but it, it's something yeah. that's much more in the flesh.
0: Yeah, and it, it, it's one of those unimaginable circumstances that although it does happen, we we don't want it to happen. Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting because the sound design on that it was really beautifully done and it did create you're welcome (laughs) it it really did create the atmosphere of the truck though and the the panic and the sheer terror of being in a place where you know that you're going to die that you are saying goodbye to a person that you can no longer see which is a mum, but a world that you can no longer see because you 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 trapped you're isolated in the truck what's next for you then Aaron what's in the pipelines? Artistically speaking the WMN
1: play which is also going to be an audio play different from the previous two and i'm really looking forward to that though at this point i only have ideas and vague ideas for that of how to how to go about that play in terms of music i have a few ideas including a new project but i don't want to spoil anything just yet uh because i'm not entirely sure whether it would happen but yeah it would be some experiment in other genres and well not strictly music i think it would be more of a branding exercise if anything which sounds very interesting yeah. at least to me let's see how that
0: goes is there any recommendations that you can give our listeners today any books tv shows films music yes there is music definitely I was mentioning earlier,
1: iDress, which is my latest discovery. I would urge everyone to check them out. Other than that, there is a French musician called Jackson Forger, or his stage name is Jackson and his computer band. And recently he did a live show, which was basically using artificial intelligence to recognize images that he was painting on set, and it interpreted it into sound which sounds a very i'd say in a way it's fairly uninspiring i don't think that interpreting images to sound is that new you you see visual scores at least from the 50s possibly even earlier but i think jackson really is someone who takes takes his work to a perfectionist and like really polished level so to me the highlight in that show was how elaborate his sound was and how few tools
0: of input he needed to use to achieve that sound. It's worth a check out. It sounds really interesting. Finally, then, coming to our conclusion, the question that we ask all our guests is, what is one bit advice you would give someone younger than yourself?
1: A joke advice could be, not even a joke, but ask, ask somebody else for advice. Um, to be more serious, I think something that's very important, or I found very important uh, in my life is, Be stressed about the important things and not to get stressed about something that's not important. What I found to me was that helped me through a lot is if I could see that I have time to do the things I like and those things had some sort of a meaning to me, I could have a company where I felt good, which was mainly my friends, but also family. As long as you have those two things,
0: you're you're set for life, basically think that's a really beautiful note to finish this podcast on Aaron thank you You, for joining me today thank you It, it really was my pleasure thank you guys for joining us today and we will see you on the next one take care